0: Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Natchang Rinpoche, Chapter 40 We heard HN's voice and Rinpoche and I turned to each other and smiled. Oh yeah, Khandro returning, Rinpoche grinned, knowing he had no need to be translated. Chapter 40, as if it were for the first time. When Kandradechen led our party of students to the caves of Padmasambhava and Mandarava at Maratika, I remained in Kathmandu. Getting up to the Maratika caves required an entire day's walk uphill. I still wasn't in good enough health to handle that. The effects of the food poisoning and dysentery lingered. I was sorry not to have accompanied Kandradechen, but it gave me the opportunity to spend more time with Rinpoche and Joma Sampel. I saw them every day and apart from Rinpoche's constant high cheer and exorbitantly loving demeanour, it was as if I were back in Sopema toward the end of our time together in 75. He gave me a series of Dzogchen transmissions over that time, but mainly we sat together gazing at the sky. Sometimes we went for short walks and sometimes we sat in the garden, admiring the flowers and listening to birdsong. One afternoon, Rinpoche had some specific personal advice to offer, so he called for Lama Geltsen to translate. I saw you at a distance in McLeod Ganj in 1982, Rinpoche laughed but you were too far away and I didn't know where you might be living. I asked where the Inji Nakpa lived, but no one could tell me. They said, maybe here, maybe there. And so I did not consider a meeting would happen at that time. Rinpoche laughed again. Maybe it was not auspicious then. I found this revelation funny but asked him why it was not auspicious, nonetheless. Rinpoche's answer wasn't given in words. Between bouts of huge laughter, he gave riotous pantomimes of playing cymbals and performing other aspects of Tantric ritual. Do you feel these studies were a waste of time, Rinpoche? No, he replied in a matter-of-fact way. All too necessary, too necessary, but burst out laughing and cackled, Dumpa, yapodu." He made this Dumpa, Yapodu quip repeatedly until we were both in tears of laughter. After a while, neither of us could say anything without having convulsions of mirth. He confided that he considered liturgy and ritual to be secondary practices. Ati, he exclaimed and proceeded to enter into a long day posture. I watched as his eyes grew progressively larger and more spatial. Then suddenly he shouted, bang, and we both started laughing again. Bang was one of a collection of English words that Rinpoche knew and I remembered the first time I'd heard him shout that word. The echo of our first meeting came back to me. Ya, yeah, this you must always know. Without this Zogchen Menakde can never be understood. You must know what is in your mind, and you must know how you see. You must know everything, but not by learning. Bang! Like this, you must see clearly what is there. Once our laughter had subsided, there followed some moments of silence. We sat looking out of the window at the glorious burgeoning mass of yellow flowers in the garden below. It was an uncultivated garden, a space that had simply filled itself with flowers. A sense of immense and unbounded quietness settled in the room. It was an autumn afternoon. We were sitting in one of the few remaining countrified reaches of the Kathmandu Valley. The sun was slanting through an open window and a slight breeze was stirring. Jomo Sampal Dechen poured out two glasses of Indian beer. Suddenly Rinpoche took a deep breath displayed the palms of his hands and in a soft, slow, ethereal voice, again in English, said everything. I knew what he meant without a conceptual framework of any kind. It was simply space within space. The first intimation of dusk darkened the room by a degree. In the distance, I heard Kundrad H.N.'s voice as the party of pilgrims approached Sogur Gepaljong. We both smiled and sipped our beer. The next day, when we'd returned from a short walk to Chatral Rinpoche's Gompa, Rinpoche reached under his table and pulled out a handwritten folio. This I could never find when you were with me in Sopema. I wrote this down many years ago when I was in Golok. These are verses of Drukpa Kunli and I will read them to you. Drukpa Kunli at one time condensed his realization in this way. If you fail to see non-duality what use is there in following religious regulations? If you lack a tsawai Lama what use is there in intelligence and scholarship? If you can't love all beings as your children, what use is there in liturgy and ritual? If you're ignorant of the central point of the three vows, what's gained by not breaking them? If you fail to realise the Buddha within, what can be found of reality without? If you can't practise the natural stream of meditation, what's to be gained by dominating thought? If you can't order your life according to seasons and times of day, what are you but a Atomyo? If you have no intuitive sense of non-duality, what's to be gained by methodical study? If you waste your life living on borrowed time and resources, who'll repay your debts later? With scanty clothing that causes discomfort, what's the profit in freezing your ass off as an ascetic? Practising but lacking specific instructions accomplishes nothing, like an ant climbing a dune. Gathering instructions but ignoring the nature of mind, you starve next door to a burgeoning larder. Acting the lama whilst refusing to teach, you become as useless as the jewel in a snake's brain. Ignoramuses blathering persistently just proclaim their stupidity to anyone unwise enough to listen. If you understand the essence, practice it, or accept that you understand nothing. This is an important teaching that every Gurkha Changlo practitioner should know, Rinpoche smiled. It's good that you've written it down because you can show it to your own disciples when you feel they are ready to hear it. Because we are here alone together again, I will tell a few stories of Drukpa Kunli that I enjoy. Drukpa Kunli just so happened to find himself on the road to Lhasa, and so he decided he might as well keep walking. Eventually he arrived in the crowded marketplace. There were all kinds of people there from India, Nepal, Ladakh and China. There were Tibetans from the Changtang, Kam, Golok, Tsang, Dakpo, Kongpo and Mongolia. Amongst them there were Nakpas and Nakmas, nomads and farmers, Lamas and official dignitaries, monks and nuns, traders and pilgrims. Listen, you all, he shouted. I'm Drukpa Kunli. I've walked here today from over there a ways, without prejudice, to be of some use to you all. So tell me, people, where can I find some goddamn chung? And while we're about it, a generous bevy of beautiful girls." The crowd were unused to this kind of announcement and started saying the kinds of things people say when someone speaks from an unlikely direction. Some oaf shouted, this Meshugana says he's walked here to be of use to us. Then he asks where he can find Chung and women of easy virtue. What kind of religion is it that this pervert preaches? Shouldn't he be asking who's the best lama? Where's the best monastery? Where's practice thriving? But he doesn't ask anything like this. I think he's a deranged schmuck who needs a good whipping. There just so happened to be a white-faced, hunchbacked cretin in the crowd, who shouted, You may tell us you're a mensch, but you're just a homeless tommure. You sing like a bird, but where's your perch? You may shit like a deer wherever you please, but where's your forest? You look like a bear, but where's your lair? You say you're a practitioner, but where's your monastery? You say you're a llama, But where's your throne? You dress like a monk, but you have long hair. Your skirt's white, and you're full of shite. You're just a bumptious, insolent vagrant. By day, you pick nits. By night, you just get drunk and fuck. A real yogi would have a lineage. But what's yours, eh? I interrupted the story at this point. Rinpoche, I can't help feeling that this white-faced hunchback cretin must have been someone in particular. I mean, I have the feeling that it must refer to some ecclesiastical idiot of the time. Oh yeah, very possible, but I do not know. Anyhow, Drukpa Kunle answered the cretin as follows, and it is interesting that the answer is quite formal. Lineage, eh? What do you know of lineage, you pasty humpback cretin? Sit down, shut up, and let me tell you a thing or two. You want to know lineage? Well, I'll tell you about my goddamn lineage. Then Drukpa Kunli spontaneously composed this verse. This vagrant's lineage is glorious. It comes down from Dorje Chang, the thunderbolt holder. This vagrant's Lama is also glorious, and his name's Paldendrukpa. This vagrant's Yidam is glorious, and his name is Korlo Demchog. This vagrant's Khandro is glorious. Her name's Dorje Pagmo, the thunderbolt sow. This vagrant's protector is glorious. His name's Gumpo Chagji, the four-armed great blackness. Do you have any burning issues with any of that, my dear cretin? If not, be content with your goiter and don't take up good drinking time with your dreary, desultory drivel. At this, the surly cretin slunk away, scowling. And as he did so, an old fellow from Lhasa came up to the front of the crowd. Hey, glorious Drukpakunli, I live in this here burg. It's awash with fabulous ladies, so many that I couldn't name them all. Here are some that immediately spring to mind. Pretty Palzang Beautiful Buti Pamo, Wondrous Wangchuk Tsewang, Sexy Sangye Zangmo, Cuddles Kelsang Pamo, Smiling Sonam Drolma, Dancing Deiki Wangmo, and The Lamp of Lhasa Leiki Adze. There are a whole bunch, I do assure you. And you'll find good chung hostelries in Lhasa. I hope you'll like it here and that you'll stay a right long time. Drukpakuntli smiled. That's what I like to hear, my friend. Seems Lhasa's brimming with beauty and overflowing with good chung. I'll stay and enjoy this place a while. Then an old fellow from Sakya chipped in. Yo, glorious Drukpa Kunli, I'm from Sakya, where beautiful ladies are renowned. Seems like I should give you the Sakya list. Attractive Arsel Pema, gorgeous Gaki Pumo, lascivious Lacho Wangmo, titillating Tsering desirable Deiki Seldon, and dreamy Desalyanki. This is just a succulent soupçon, but there are a whole bunch more. Not to forget the excellent Chang in Sakya. I hope you'll will come and spend some time with us too. Oh yeah, I'll definitely drop by someday. Sakya sounds real fine. Not to be left out, a fellow from Ladakh elbowed his way forward. Yo, Drukpakunli, righteous dude, I'm from Ladakh where luscious ladies are held in great honor. Here are a few that I remember very well tempting Sewong Ladron, the charming Chukki, alluring Atsong Pumo, lovely Lacho Pumo, adorable Akhi Dechen, and sensuous Sonam Gyalmo. These would be right good names for y'all to remember, aside from all the fine Chang houses. I hope y'all will visit our land so I can show them to you. Oh, yeah, my friend, I'll definitely come to Ladakh one day. Next, an old lady from Bhutan stepped forward. You Tibetans prattle too much. This lama's name is Drukpa Kunle, not Tibetan Kunli. Then she stamped her foot and addressed the Kunli. I am from Bhutan, the land of the dragon, and as you know, we're replete with stunning beauties. I can't name them all, but here's a sample. Gokig Palmo is the Kandro of Uche. Lady Adzom is the Kandro of Gomul Tsar Churten. Namkar Drunma of Pachang is the Kandro of Zhung Valley. Palzangbuti is the Kandro of the Zhung Highlands. Chudzom is the Kandro of Wangyul. Samten Tsemo, the daughter of Lama Nidadrakpa, is the Kandro of Paro. And Marvelous Mistress Gyautzom is the Kandro of Shah Kyungtse, Chanden. Please come and check us out. There are many more ladies besides, and wonderful Chang. Oh yeah mistress of Bhutan, I'll certainly check out Bhutan, drink your Chang, and make love with all your right fine ladies. Last in time for her speech was an elderly lady from Kongpo. Daring Drukpakunli, I'm from Kongpo, and this is my list. Lively Lacho Pemo, Perfect Paltsang Orinchen Gyalmo, Stunning Sewang galmo, Ravishing Rinzin Zangmo, Delectable Dechen Lamo, and Superb Sumchog Ursel. These names come quickly to mind, but there are a whole bunch more. There's unparalleled chung to boot. I hope you'll will not forget Kongpo. Oh yeah, seems even Kongpo's is worth a visit. But it's not sufficient to be acquainted with their names. I need to be personally acquainted and, in particular, who's this Sumchog and how old would she be? Sumchog's 15, replied the lady from Kongpo. Not a moment to lose, then. I'd better hightail out so you folks just rest up and take it easy till I get back. I'm off to Kongpo. Drukbukunli made his way on foot to Nyerong and thence southeast to Kongpo. As he strode along, he ran into five rather nice girls on the trail where might you be from handsome fella and where might you be going well delightful damsels that's easy to answer Kunli grinned i'm from way back yonder and way down yonder's where i'm headed that's funny they giggled please tell us why are you traveling because as like as not we could make the journey more pleasant yeah Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Anyhow, I'm looking for a sweet little chickadee by the name of Sumchog. What's she like? they asked. Well, fair complexion, soft silky skin, fine sweet sugar bowl and a round smiling face. She's beautiful, flagrantly fragrant and has sharp insight. She has all the signs of a cundrel. So what about us girls then? Aren't we Kundros too? I don't think so, Drukva Kunli sighed. You don't appear to be, from what I can see. But there are many types, I suppose. So what are they, Mr Smooth-Talking Yogi? We'd really like the lowdown on this well there are yeshe kandros sangye kandros lakey kandros pema kandros dorje kandros and rinchen kandros there are also cannibal kandros world woven kandros ashen kandros peaceful kandros joyous kandros wrathful kandros and innumerable other kinds of kandros. How can we recognise these kandros? Not so easily, replied Drukva Kundli, but since you ask, here are the particulars. Yeshe kandros are blushing fair and radiant. Sangye kandros have a faint bluish complexion and a radiant smile. Lakey kandros have aubergine skin and a broad forehead. Pema have bright pink skin, lustrous complexions. They are short with wide hips. Dorje kandros are pale with long eyebrows and sweet voices. They are voluptuous and supple. Rinchen kandros have blonde hair, beautiful faces with a warm complexion. They are slender and tall. World-woven kandros have pallid yet radiant faces, constantly given to smiling. Cannibal kandros have dark, ashen complexions, wide mouths and protruding teeth. Ashen kandros have ashen yellow complexions, And vague expressions. So what sort are we? Hmm, you're needy and greedy, randy and reckless, frustrated and friendless, Khandros. That ain't no way to talk to us. You ain't no gentleman, Mr Yogi. And with that they went off in high dudgeon. I was looking quizzical at that point and Rinpoche noticed. He grinned at me, oh we are. No need to be concerned about your kundrel. She is most wonderful. She is the most perfect kind of kundrel.